The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. I have on a fascinating guest today who is really world-renowned. We're talking about women's sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And our guest is Susan S. Weed, and her book is Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health. She is the author of four best-selling books. And today we're talking about women's uh, reproductive health in general. And there are so many, uh, there's so much to talk about here. But I think that uh, you will really enjoy this. And let me tell you a little bit something about Susan. Susan S. Weed is the voice of wise woman tradition. She's one of the founding grandmothers of the herbal renaissance. Her four previous bestseller titles include New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Breast Cancer, Breast Health, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Second Wise Woman Herbal, and Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Years. And she maintains an active and worldwide teaching schedule. Welcome, Susan. I know there's so much to talk about. I would like to just mention one thing. Down there is for men as well as women. Okay, good. Good. It covers um, men's down there too, including the prostate, which becomes a big issue for men in midlife. All right. You know, there's so much here that it's it's very interesting. So I think what I would like to have you do is start with some of the things that you think are key for our audience to know that maybe they're not aware of. You know, I find that I often start writing my books from the middle, Patricia. And so I started with the cervix. And part of the reason I started with the cervix is because I was so upset that so many women were having invasive treatments done on their cervix completely needlessly. But that really did turn out to be the middle of the book. And as I continued to write about the down there organs of both men and women, the people that I was consulting with kept bringing my focus back to the pelvic floor, the pelvic floor, the pelvic floor. And so the first chapter in the section for everyone is the pelvic floor. We all have a pelvic floor, mm-hmm. and the pelvic floor in human beings does a task it wasn't designed to do, which is to hold everything in and up, and it's true for men and women. Mm-hmm. And so pelvic floor health is really the first step for down there health for all of us. I will, so what is however, pelvic health? Is it, is it, what is pelvic health? Is it exercise? Is it eating well? What is it? Mostly it's pelvic floor exercise, and there is a side effect, and that is much stronger orgasms. <laughs> Good. Now, All right. What about, what about sex for, for health? Sex for health is an excellent idea. Orgasm has been known to reduce orgasm. I'm sorry. Orgasm has been known to reduce depression. 
migraine headaches, as well as a variety of other minor health complaints, as a matter of fact. And if you don't have a partner? What I suggest to women who complain, especially postmenopausal women who say, my libido went on a little vacation and never came home, Mm. I said, well, your Rx is seven orgasms a week, whether you want them or not. Mm. Now, let let me read uh, from the book here, because I just find this so fascinating. And, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of, to me, kind of mythos around vibrators. Vibrators began life as a cure for hysteria, which means moving womb. This was a disease that was prevalent among women with pent-up sexual energy. Mm. By the late 1800s, it was estimated that three-quarters of American women were hysterical. The cure, Mm. of course, was an orgasm known by the prim medical term paroxysm. In fact, this prescription dates back to medical texts from the first century. For, so for over 2,000 years, women with pent-up sexual energy have been called hysterical, and their doctors have uh, thought that giving them an orgasm was the way to deal with it. Manual stimulations of female patient to paroxysm was the cure, but it was so, and I quote from a medical journal of the time, time-consuming and tedious. Enter the vibrator. By the beginning of the 20th century, health spas offering vibration therapy for hysterical women had sprung up like multiple orgasms. Mm. Mm. Soon so you, what you're saying is using a mechanical device is very helpful. It's extremely helpful for a great many women. And, you know, one of the myths is oh, once you use a vibrator, you won't want to be with a partner anymore. And what yes, I say I've is, heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. Well, a vibrator cannot look longingly into your eyes. A vibrator cannot give you a neck rub. <laughs> And a vibrator will not bring you a cup of hot tea. <laughs> That's great, Susan. <laughs> or say sweet nothings in your ear. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's a, an old joke, but a true one, that women trade sex for intimacy and yeah. men trade intimacy for sex. Hmm. Do you think that's true? Yes, I do. Hmm. Interesting. So now let's go back to the seven. You said seven orgasms a week. And you don't have to have them like one a day. You could have seven in one day if you wanted to. And then say, that's done for the week. But what, what is happening? What, Susan, I want to go back. Having... I want to go back with you because, you know, you have been, you're, you're tribal in a lot of ways. I mean, you know the tribal and, and, and the Native American traditions. Why is Why has sex gotten such... Not even a bad rap, but it's so distorted. It's either horrible or it's great or you shouldn't or you should or you have to. It's, it's just, it, you know, what happened to intimacy and joy and pleasure and somehow, you know, we're hiding it all. Explain that. Well, let's, let's set the stage for it. I think that you're familiar with the word kundalini and that most of your listeners oh, would course. be. Of course. It's yes. one way to talk about life force energy. And when we're children, we are simply in kundalini like a fish is in water. At puberty, kundalini comes into down there. It comes into the pelvis. So little boys start getting erections. They start producing viable sperm. Little girls start making viable eggs. And then the lining of the uh, uterus grows and they menstruate. So at puberty, we become capable of using life force energy to create 
new life. But as we know, kundalini doesn't define how we use it. There are many ways to use kundalini. And most cultures don't want very young people at puberty being sexually active. My granddaughter told me the other day that she was going to have a baby. I said, you can get married and have a baby. She said, I don't think I want to get married. She said, I'm just going to have a baby, and you and my mama are going to take care of it. Oh. Right. Now, of course, most cultures um, are not totally into this. They'd like for the children to be a little more grown before they start being sexual. It's not true in all cultures, but uh, in a lot of cultures. And so right there, we start to have inhibition of what you're very rightly calling normal sexuality. In fact, we see fetuses in the womb having orgasms, masturbating and having orgasms. And yet we find many religious institutions who frown very heavily on self-pleasuring or self-loving. But you're saying it's you're saying this is part of our health, it's part of our emotional health, it's part of our physical health. That's what you're saying. And I, I just wish we heard more about that, Susan, because I don't think we do. Yes. And you know, um, Sigmund Freud had two um, students um, that he thought were very, very smart. And one of them we know very well, that's Carl Jung. And the other one we don't hear so much about, and that's Wilhelm Reich. Mm-hmm. And Wilhelm Reich actually said to Freud, you know, you're really doing the world a horrible disservice by lying about what's happening sexually with your patients. And Freud did know that his female patients were being raped, and he told them they were hysterical and imagining it. Mm-hmm. And Reich said, having a good ability to have an orgasm is the fundamental key to every other kind of health. Interesting. Now, I want to go, you said something, and I, want, I wrote it down. I want to make sure I've got it right. You said women have sex to be intimate, and men are intimate to have sex. No, I said that women trade sex for intimacy. Mm. Mm. In other words, a woman is willing to be sexual because she's going to get intimacy. And men trade intimacy Intimacy for sex. sex. So they are willing to be intimate knowing that they can probably get some sex if they're intimate. Mm. Interesting. Mm. And certainly, you know, women throughout cultures ask what's the most important thing in a relationship, generally reply, intimacy, connection. Mm-hmm. And men? And, and men, as we well know, all we have to do is look at what's going on in the Internet to see what men are interested in. But, but men are interested in intimacy, too. I'm not saying they're not. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're painting in broad strokes here. Yeah, yeah, interesting. There's always a bell curve. All right, Susan, we could we could spend the entire interview just on this, but you have this book is so rich with so much. Let's talk about some other things as well in Let's terms of health for our cervix and for women, and then we can talk about men's health as well. Let's talk about the clitoris for a minute because one of the most exciting things that I learned was that once the clitoris becomes mature at puberty, it never ages another moment. It's the only part of the body that is anti-senescent. You have the same clitoris at the same youthful vigor in your 90s as you did when you were 15. That's fascinating. As a matter of fact, most women get a lot better 
at orgasm and pleasure, both with and without partners as they age. And one of the things that I say to women is get through your frumpy 50s and you will hit the scintillating 60s and you won't believe how great the sex becomes. Hmm. There is a difficult period there for many women as they're going through menopause. But yeah, and my and that's not, my, and I do have a question. Is. I do want to ask you a question about menopause um, in terms of estrogen or estrogen creams or hormone replacement or herbals like St. John's Wort. What do you say about that? Little girls start making estrogen in utero. And we're born making 29 of the 30 estrogens that we will ever make. We make those 29 estrogens, which are called baseline estrogen, every single day of our life. From months before we're born until the very day we die. There's no day, no moment in any woman's life where she's ever estrogen deficient or estrogen deprived. Starting at puberty and ending at menopause, we make a very active estrogen called estradiol or estradiol. We make it for only 24 to 36 hours out of each month. And so, in fact, not making it is not very much of a big deal, certainly not the big deal that modern medicine makes it out. Estradiol is, however, to breast cancer as kerosene is to fire. Mm -hmm. So having estradiol in our blood, even for a day out of the month, increases our risk of breast cancer. It's one of the reasons why we have menopause. So we stop producing this terrible, life-threatening hormone. Mm -hmm. And we have a bunch of men trying to convince us that this life-threatening hormone is important to our health. It is not. And that we should somehow replace it. We should not. And this really does get back to what you were just asking me. Because a woman who is not making estradiol is not in reproductive mode. So sexuality and sexual connection is entirely on her terms. There's no reproductive urge left. It's simply what she wants and how she wants her pleasure, whereas men are never free of the reproductive urge. And it's frustrating to them to deal with women who aren't making estradiol. And so um, I'm not saying that this is any kind of conspiracy, but I'm saying that this is one of the reasons why we've had male doctors for 50 years, uh, and unfortunately now female doctors, mm. trying to convince mm. women that they lose something at menopause. So what, so what, do you, what would you suggest for women, things. Susan, when women come to you and say, you know, I've always had a strong libido, and now I'm going through menopause and I don't have that, what would you suggest to them during that time? What I suggest to them is seven orgasms a week, whether they want them or not. And that certainly is fine with somebody else or by themselves. Mm -hmm. But it's very important that the woman define that her pleasure and her sexual pleasure is simply for her. And it's not about giving to anyone else. Menopause is a time when we come in and we care only for ourselves and we don't put out to others. It's not a long period of time, but it's a critically important period of time. That women have uh, uh, what we call Susan, the zero way. All right, here's my other question is, what about the risk of osteoporosis without the estrogen? There's so many things wrong with what you just said, I don't even know where to start. First of all, let me repeat, you are never without estrogen. Okay. You have plenty of estrogen every single day of your life. Between puberty 
and menopause, you make one very strong kind of estrogen, which can be lethal to you for 24 extra hours. It has nothing whatsoever to do with your bones. Well, as you know, that's not what the conventional wisdom says. That's why I asked you that question. Well, that actually is what conventional wisdom says, truthfully. Hmm. Because you you do not at any point now ever see estrogen replacement uh, pushed for increasing bone mass. What you're seeing is a raloxifen being pushed to increase bone mass. But you're not seeing estrogen pushed in any medical setting because it doesn't have any effect on bone mass. Secondly, there is no study of any kind that shows a relationship between bone mass and bone breakage. Mm. So if what you're concerned about is getting rid of a word, osteoporosis, there are drugs that get rid of that word, but they actually increase your risk of breaking a bone. So I'm more interested in bone health. And here it is, October, and I call October Breast Health Awareness Month because we draw to us what we focus on. So I like to focus on bone health and breast health. And what makes our bones healthy is getting good quality minerals from greens and from whites. Okay. And greens meaning um, wheatgrass, spirulina, vegetables... Wheatgrass contains no minerals of any kind and is absolutely useless as a food. Spirulina is basically um, the greatest cause of death among animals uh, on a yearly basis in the United States, and I certainly would never uh, consume it in any way at all. By greens, I mean actual real food, not fake food, which I would consider wheatgrass and spirulina to be. And again, um, if you look at the cost of spirulina, um, you're paying about 10 times more than you would for organic chicken for the same amount of protein. It's just not worth it in any way at all. No, I'm talking about actual leafy greens like collards and kale and spinach and Swiss chard. And I'm talking about nourishing herbal infusions like nettle and oat straw. And I'm talking about really cooking our vegetables so that we actually get the minerals out of them. And whites is good quality full-fat dairy products, full-fat yogurt, full-fat raw milk cheeses, Mm. full-fat fluid milk, if you like it. Susan, what do you think? I mean, I'm listening to you say a lot of things that that are, you know, are so important. And my question is, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions that women and men have that, you know, they may be told or they may hear, but actually aren't true? What are some of the things that we really need to be doing that many people don't know they should be doing? I think the biggest misconception is that people think that being healthy isn't fun. (laughs) That's great. And I think that being healthy and doing things that keep me healthy is about as much fun as I can possibly have. So, you know, men say to me, oh, prostate problems, and I have to get up, get out all night long and pee, or, oh, boy, I wish I could get up all night long and pee. I go all the time, but nothing ever comes out. Oh, yeah, well, I wish nothing would come out because I go and I just keep dripping, dripping, dripping. I mean, oh, boy, men's lower urinary tract symptoms from enlarged prostates really start to come online by the 50s and by the 60s and 70s. They can be horribly problematic. And I say to men, here's what you do to keep your prostate healthy. You go out and you get a pizza with extra garlic and anchovies. Mm. Now, doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah, it does. And and when I hear you say that, then what what I hear is gluten, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, dairy. I mean, I hear all sorts of things about the pizza rather than what you said about the garlic. <laughs> well, the cheese is critically important for sexual health. And we, I know that you understand, Patricia, that fear of milk and hating of milk is just fear of women and hatred of women. Interesting. No, because I didn't. I make, didn't uh, because oh. women make milk. Yeah. yeah. It's mother issues, you know. These are people with mother yeah. issues. They're distressed about their mothering that they did or didn't get, you know, about how it was. And so since they can't get back at mom, they're going to get back at milk. Mm. Hmm. Susan, I want to get back to men for a minute. I just want to get back to men for a minute in terms of prostate health. All right. Just in terms of prostate health, what are some things men can do? Should men be having more sex as well? Does that help prostate health? Well, actually, before the age of 30, it certainly does. We find that young men who have a lot of orgasms have far fewer um, problems of all kinds as they age, and that does include masturbation. <clears throat> so um, in my book on page 348, I have a little box, and it says, here's how to protect your prostate. Here's your best bets. Eat cabbage family plants cooked. <clears throat> you know four servings a week cut your overall risk of cancer by 50%, and that's pretty easy to do. Like a bean from cooked tomatoes. You don't get it from raw tomatoes or any kind of raw fruit, so you need it from the cooked tomatoes. And that's why I say pizza, because it's got that good tomato sauce on there. Nettle infusion, two quarts a week. And you can Google up Susan Weed nettle infusion, and you will find a YouTube of me making nettle infusion. <clears throat> Omega-3. What do, you, what do you mean, nettle infusion? Explain that. Sure. A tea is a small amount of fresh or dried herb brewed for a short time. Everybody's had like mm-hmm. a tea. An infusion is a large amount of dried herb brewed for a long time. So to make a nettle infusion, I put one ounce of dried nettle in a quart jar, fill it to the top of boiling water, screw a tight lid on it, and let it steep four hours or for overnight. Strain it, squeeze the plant material to get all the good liquid out of it, and then I refrigerate that liquid, which is my nourishing herbal infusion, which I'm going to drink throughout the day. Now, you were asking about osteoporosis before. I got a letter from a woman who drank four quarts of infusion a week for two years, and she went from having severe osteoporosis, where she was losing an inch of height a year, to having a better bone mass at 65 than she had at 40. Amazing. From nettle, N-E-T-T-L-E. N-E-T-T-L-E, from drinking a variety of nourishing herbal infusions. Patricia, I am so into nourishing herbal infusions. And I run an abundance-based business that I offer a free course called Drink Your Way to Health with the Nourishing Herbal Infusions. You can go to the wisewomanbookshop.com and you can sign up there for Drink Your Way to Health with Nourishing Herbal Infusions. There's no charge now. There will never be a charge. There's nothing. We're not asking you to buy anything. We don't sell anything associated with this. You'll join the community of over 2,000 people who are telling you that they're throwing away their supplements, they're throwing away their drugs, and they are thriving. Isn't that incredible? Oh, and again, Susan, the website, please. Very important. Go to wisewomanbookshop.com and sign right. up for Drink Your Way to Health with Nourishing Herbal Infusions. It's a free course that I offer through my Wise Woman University. Fabulous. All right. We got to talk about a fun subject here. I can't wait to hear your take on this, Susan. Okay. 
What's your take on the little blue pill for erectile dysfunction? Well, you know, I said to myself, what is going on that so many men need this little blue pill? It was mm-hmm. just, I was shaking my head and trying to figure out what could possibly be causing this. Well, the answer was not very difficult to find. Drugs. Mm-hmm. Drugs are ruining men's sex life. Orgasms require muscle tension. If you take an antihistamine or an antispasmodic or a painkiller, you've just relaxed your muscles. And why is it working, Susan? Why is it working for people? No, what I am saying is that people are taking drugs that they then have to take another drug to counter. Mm. Mm -hmm. The little blue pill is a drug, and the reason they need it is because they're taking other drugs. Engorgement, needless to say, is, you know, what men are looking for. And that is basically high blood pressure. You're taking any kind of cholesterol-lowering drug or blood pressure-lowering drug, you're not going to get a good erection or a very firm erection. You're going to go for a little blue pill, mm-hmm. right? If you take an SSRI antidepressant, then again, you're not going to have the interest or the ability, and you're going to go for the little blue pill. So I have a whole section in my book about herbs and the other things you can do other than to take these drugs which are ruining your sexual ability so that you don't have to rely on the little blue pill, which, as we know, is not good for your heart. You know, I mean, you're such a wealth of information. We're going to have to do another interview because we could go on and on. But I do want to ask you um, if you can read aloud maybe one part of your book where the organs are speaking in their own voices. That's really incredible isn't it i really enjoy that just pick something just pick something short well i think i'm going to read what the uh, the bladder has to say to us (laughs) i am the lowest point all flows come down to me it all comes down to me what goes flows to the kidneys and when the kidneys are done with what goes round it flows down to me it all comes flowing down to me you see i am part of it all but a part I am touched by it all, but not taken. I am the container, not the contents. I offer short-term storage, no interest, no credit, just in and out, here and gone. I have no plans, no memories, no desires. Fill me, empty me, again and again. I can hold it for you, but I can only hold so much. Your rage trickles down to me. It burns me, it irritates me. Your fear of life seeps into me. It annoys me, it compresses me. Grudges precipitate and settle into me. Your suspicions grab hold of me. They tear at me. They agitate me. Controlling me does not give you control over your life. Trust the process. Surrender to the flow. It all comes down to me. It all flows round and round. And it comes out down here. I am your bladder. Wow. Incredible. Really. I want to ask you, I'd love to have you read another one, but I want to ask you this because it's in your book and it's something we don't talk about so much in this country, the, clit, the clitorectomy. You know, we're in other countries, particularly in northern Africa, it frequently is removal of the labia and often of the clitoris. And your feelings about that, I mean, to us, particularly to me and, and most Americans, we feel like this is barbaric. What's your feeling? Well, of course it's barbaric. I don't think that we, we, 
would find anyone who disagrees with the idea that it is barbaric. So is binding Chinese women's feet. The fact that something is done by an entire culture and that everyone in that culture has agreed to participate in maiming of women does not ever make it right and does not ever give us the right to stand by. Mm. There were things that I didn't want to write about in this book. I didn't want to write about sexual trauma. I didn't want to write about clitorises being cut off with broken Coke bottles. And mm-hmm. I, didn't want to, I didn't want to write about circumcision either. I was going to, that was my next question, is, yeah. you know, that's another controversy. Yeah, because, but I did have to include all of those things. What is your feeling they, about they circumcision? Down there. Well, I take a woman's view of circumcision, and that is that circumcision is very important for women's health. Women are far, far less likely to get sexually transmitted diseases, including HIV, when the man has been circumcised. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, as I said, I always talk about what I'm writing with a great many people, and many of my male herbal friends were very upset about my view on this, and they said, no, 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 it removes men's sensitivity. They need to keep that foreskin. And I said, well, you know, when you consider that the average length of intercourse worldwide is less than one minute, most women would prefer that men weren't so sensitive. I'm for circumcision. And one of uh, James Green, the author of The Male Herbal, uh, said, yes, I agree. But how about Kegels? It sure beats circumcision as a way to lengthen intercourse. And that's where we started, just talking about pelvic floor exercises. And James Green said, I understand what you're getting at, Susan, but just teach men to exercise their pelvic floor and have some control there. <laughs> Susan, I just I definitely want to have you back on the program, and please stay on the line. It's fascinating. It's enlightening, inspiring, um, controversial, all of the above, and wise, all and of the fun. above. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the program. And I really appreciate your having this forum, Patricia, and for inviting me here. I am honored. You're welcome. All right, stay on the line. All right, folks, this wraps up Patricia Raskin Positive Living today. Um, please log on to Susan Weed's website, susunweed.com or wisewomanbookshop.com, and she has a free workshop on herbal infusions. So do really do check that out. Susan Weed's book is down there, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And she really has been known as the founding, one of the founding grandmothers of the herbal renaissance. Again, until next time, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need and know you can make your dreams come true. Bye for now. I'm Patricia Raskin right here on Voice America, America's Voice. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.